Soccer written and narrated by Mark Lingane. Copyright 2014. Episode 5. The stylus has a phone concealed behind the cigarette machine, it being the only place that was quiet. The curtain fluttered. I flicked it aside to see the commotion. A dancing man spun in the middle of the dance floor. He was crying for help with his plaintive voice, lamenting the loss of his daughter. His, I assumed. He stumbled several times before a couple of Samaritans reached out and caught him, leading him back to a secluded booth. He didn't look that old with his blonde hair courageously fighting back against the gray. I you the press because you're gonna need a whole heap of money to run with this story. Came the voice down the line. His voice was clear and deep and it purred like a lion. You could hear why the ladies fell for his tones. I the press. I'll give you three seconds to interest me. I let the three seconds roll around. He didn't hang up. Maybe there was something in my voice that kept him hanging on. You took her money. I said. Who's Mia? Oh, you're a private dick. That would make sense. She'd be afraid to call the police in. He let out a deep laugh. Don't tell me you buy that victim crap. She ain't as innocent as she appears. She might cry or look vulnerable or even give you some sob story. But it ain't the truth. Get to know her and you'll find out. Anyways, she can't afford it. She's so loaded, I'm surprised she hasn't pulled the trigger and shot. What you wanna know? Where'd you meet her? At Vinyl. I met some guy who said they got juiced up ladies clustering for attention. I tagged along with him. He seemed to know everyone. Then I met Candy who wouldn't melt in your mouth. Of course, with me, it weren't candy. I think it was candy. It's hard to tell a sister is apart. Hey, maybe I had all of them and I never even knew. I'll ask if she comes back. She missing? Seems so. She went out last night and I ain't seen her back. Got any distinguishing features? Nope. I found that in our declaration. Sure? You bet it's a little creepy. Normally when you get a chick down to her secret, she has something, a small scar, some freckles. She ain't got nothing. She's got skin like porcelain. Trust me, I've been over every inch of her. Just a skinny blonde girl who lives in a secrets. Wise meaner wants her money. She don't want her money. She's only saying that she's afraid because you know who is coming down. Who? That, my friend, will cost you. But she's after something else I got. Something she shouldn't have had. What? Hugh let out a low laugh followed by a tut, tut, tut. I flicked aside the curtain. The dancing man was looking at me, staggering around, his fists clenching and unclenching. At least it was in time with the music. The in-betweener act was doing its best, and Danny and Wonderboy were giving the occasional nod of approval to them in the middle of talking to Jackson and taking a drink. You want the truth? You come and find me. Maybe I will. Take some advice, Mr. Dick. If you want to continue to hang around with Mina and her friends, get something shiny and reflective. You may need it. It's a broken record playing down a path laid out of the seeds of truth. The phone went dead. 
I replaced the receiver back and stood staring at it. The guy was annoying beyond rationality. I didn't know him beyond a few minutes of listening to his voice, but I already harbored a desire to see his throat slit. I made my way back to the bar. Jackson had an ice pack ready for me. It stung as I placed it on my face. The others laughed. There was a tap on my shoulder. Reluctantly, I swung around. It was L. Mallory. I lowered the ice pack away from my face. Why, Jiminy Crickets, what happened to you? She brushed her hand over the bruises as I flinched away. Don't be a baby. Wonder Boy gave me a nod and turned back to Jackson. Are they your friends? No, it's the band. Are you going to introduce me? It seemed like a bad idea. Band, this is L. Mallory. Danny activated sleaze mode and Wonder Boy sat back grinning and enjoyed the show. Hi, El, said Wonder Boy. What a beautiful name, El, said Danny, putting on his thick exotic accents. It's Laura. She gave me a sideways look as she extended a hand. Danny whipped in and wrenched it to his mouth, coating her knuckles with saliva excessive kisses. She extracted her hand while continuing to smile, although we could all see her eyes tell a different story. Let's go, I said. She wiped her hand on her dress. I grabbed her and pulled her over to one of the tall bow stools. She was class. Most would have dealt with Danny with far more repulsion and physical confutation, yet the language had remained civil. I watched her as she spun herself up onto the seat. Her heels clipped into the low rail, circling the support. She had an emerald green dress hugging her curves she had. She wasn't an atomic bombshell that could flatten a continent like Mina, but she could dazzle in a million other ways that meant a whole lot more. She had released the squirrel and now her locks twisted down around her shoulders. She had dark roots, meaning she wasn't a natural skinny blonde thing. I like that. Why are you here? I asked around the tank to see if anyone knew where you hung out. This seemed to be the most common place mentioned, after all the rude ones. I thought I would give you a go. Some people said you were worth knowing. Her hair fell over her eye and she shook it away. Jackson appeared with a couple of plated drinks. He had slid them onto the tabletop and disappeared in a blink. We both took a sip and watched as the band switched over. Wonder Boy gave me a wave as he stepped up onto the stage. Laura. I tried the name out in my mouth. It came easy. That's me. Her head snapped around. She had large, deep green eyes full of sadness. They offset her slightly tanned complexion but matched her getup. It's a good name. It's just a name. Your father is Mallory. My father is always going to be a Mallory, it being my name. She took a sip of her drink. Head of District 9. She let out a long sigh and looked away, crestfallen, clutching her glass in both hands. I was hoping you wouldn't know that. Why? He's a good man. Not everyone thinks that, especially the ones that have got something to hide. District 9 is tough. No, growing up with Commander Franklin Mallory as your father is tough and his three outstanding sons. Why be a cop? It's all I know. Everyone in the family did it. Didn't you follow in your parents' footsteps? I recall broken memories of an unknown motherhood and a domineering father who commanded more than enraged, and all I could ever offer up was disappointment. My feet went elsewhere. 
I looked up at the band assembling on the stage. People were beginning to mill around the dance floor. Something must have flashed over my face because Lyra leaned over and rested her hand on mine. Do you dance? No, I drink. Still no dancing after the drinking? Not the kind you'd enjoy. I bet you do really, or did once. Come on, I think you do. In your dreams. A sad expression settled on her face, and in that moment she looked undeniably vulnerable. I don't like dreams. I had one more than ten years ago that scared the living daylights out of me. It still does. I was visited by the most beautiful girl one night in my bedroom. She had short, spiky blonde hair, vivid blue eyes, and the most amazing figure. And she was so friendly and full of joy and happiness. We were all talking and she was telling me about herself and she leant in close to me and reached out. Then I felt, and I'm so sure of this, a dog bite into me. I knew it had happened as sure as night follows day. It hurt so much it woke me up and I cried for a week. But there was nothing there. The doctor said it was in my head. Always had been, but when it was a full moon and I hear some baleful dog howl into the night. I feel the bite. Time heals all. Sometimes. It made things difficult. I was branded as a weirdo at school and it stuck. No one ever surpassed the label. You got friends now? She shook her head. I got you now. I ain't reliable. She looked away back toward the bar. No one is. The only person you can rely on is yourself. I sighed. I didn't get that answer when I looked in the mirror. Some old lady pushing the wrong side of a Cadillac was buying into Danny's technique de l'amour routine with change to spare. She was glowing from ear to ear with his act. Wonder Boy was shouting at him to get back on stage. My father has an old friend coming down from the north with his niece, who is about my age and doesn't know about my past. Maybe we can be friends, talk on the phone for hours about boys. I raised my eyebrow at her. How old are you? She laughed, covering her mouth with her hand. I missed out on all that. Not every experience is great. I replied. I took a long slug out of the whiskey and a moment of silence descended on us. She played with her hair, something obviously digging away inside of her. She threw back the rest of her drink and spoke just as the band started up. She gave them a sideways glance, castigating them for the bad timing. You said you'd loved and lost. What happened? I let the question rest for a moment. I could feel the grip of the memory aching around my heart. I wondered how much I should tell her, but I had the feeling those big green eyes could look straight through my fabrication. After all, she was internal audit. Another man's wife chose me. Her face momentarily registered surprise. You must have been young. Yeah, we all were. It's a bit loud in here. Can we go somewhere quiet? She ran her finger around the rim of her empty glass. Where to? How about your place? I gave her a low look. What if a client comes? She gave me an unsettling smile and pulled me up by the jacket collar as she wheeled off her chair. How often do you get a client? The answer was gonna be easy. Never. Until you wanted a piece of privacy, then there would be a queue around the block. As we made our way out, the staggering dancing man lunged at me. His clenched fists gripped my collar and he looked desperately up into my face. 
They say you can make people forget. I need to forget my daughter and what they did when they came for her. Not me. I said, shaking my head. Try Jackson. I pried his hands off me and twisted him away. He collapsed to the floor in a ball of tears and wails, which diminished into the background hum as the door swung shut. And we perambulated along the sidewalk. We had only managed a few steps before she had her arm intertwined with mine. I heard the flapping of wings swooping close by. I mentioned it to Lara, but she shrugged. The night was still and quiet to her. She was bustling in through my office door before I had barely unlocked it. What's the H stand for? She asked as the letters accelerated past her. She sat on the edge of the desk, twisting her hips and staring at me, biting her lower lip. You've done this before. I never said I was a nun. In this city, even a lonely girl can find a few minutes of comfort if she's prepared to- I don't want to know. I woke up to the cheery tweeting of the morning birds hyped up on discarded coffee beans. I rolled over and watched the dance of disguise as El Mallory, Lara, pulled her dress down over her head. Her hips swiveled and twisted as she peeled the tight number down, and I felt blood coursing through my veins. She certainly made me feel full of life again. You leaving? It's six. I've got to get home and shower and change for work. You stay for coffee? She leaned over and gave me a kiss, one that burned deep into the bonds tying back my grief, and for a moment I was freewheeling above the clouds. Then her lips were gone and I fell back to earth with waxen wings dripping away. Her hand wrapped around the door handle. Her eyes danced around the room as she pulled the door open. This place has a funny feeling, kinda eerie. She gave me a brief smile and bounced out of the room.